Thank you for joining us on another episode of Popcorn for Breakfast with your co-host, Batman. Hello, hello. <laughs> Batman sounds like he's been smoking 30 packs a day for the last, since the Nolan trailer. What, what's, what's happening, Kirk? What was that? I think, I think it's the restriction of this mask is not like adult size. Yeah, it's crushing I, your, your face. And uh, I can't quite get my 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 vo- my mouth to open up as it should be. <laughs> yeah, it's the cape. It's it's squeezing your your uh, your throat, and so you're not able to use your vocal cords as usual. I get it. Yes, but uh, I'd like to point out that you said you don't have to wear that the whole time. We're not going to really talk about Batman until the end of this <laughs> episode. I and, made that uh, call as soon as I saw you were in the mask. I was like, we'll talk about this at the end. <laughs> and I said, no, I'm going to fully commit, Cam. I'm going to wear this. The entirety of this episode, and I would expect no less, because to be honest, that's very on. That's a very on brand choice for you. I feel like you 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 don't do things halfway, Kirk. That's that's one of the things I like about you. You just you go, you go for it, full. Board. That's right. I also feel like this is a good opportunity to reach out to my family and friends to tell them that I need an adult size Batman mask. I agree. Please. I agree. <laughs> I, I I think that that's that we need to make that a priority because the. The thing that worries me is that there will be more Batman films, Kirk, and I just don't. I'm not sure your skull can weather the the beating that it's going to take over the next few years. Do you see this? Like my cheeks are about to like <laughs> explode forward from the pressure. Yeah, your cheekbones the... are just going to shoot out of your face. It's going to be horrible. And, it's going to be like still... Raiders of the Lost Ark. <laughs> yes, and you can still see my actual nose. That's not the point. <laughs> no, it's not. Of the Batman mask. That's right. It's not. It's not. All right. Uh, well, Kirk is definitely in the holiday spirit, and, and you may be asking, what holiday is it? Well, I'm calling it, I've been calling it all day, uh, the Batman Eve. That's what I've been calling it, Ooh. because Kirk and I are seeing the Batman tomorrow. We're seeing it early, because we're cool like that, and we'll be seeing it in IMAX, and we will be, right. really right now, we will be about 30 minutes away from completion of the film remember it's about a three-hour movie so uh showtime's at seven movie will end around 10 and man i i hope to be at that point you know tears streaming down my face goosebumps just just in a in a catatonic state at that point with with excitement that's what i'm hoping for i don't know if we can reach that that might be too high of expectations but that's what i want I'm so hopeful that the action will be so super superior Ooh. that I'm going to bleed myself. Like I'm going oh, to feel the punches and 4D. the kicks. Yes. <laughs> Someone walks into the theater. <laughs> they throw batterings at you. <laughs> You're like, ow. Like, it's okay. I work here. Like, wow, it's really immersive. I thought Dune was, I, I thought, I thought Dune was immersive. This, this new Batman movie is really intense. Yeah, wow. it's 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 exciting. It's very exciting. And in fact, you know, it's funny how short the memory is. I don't know if I am more excited for this film than I was for Spider-Man No Way Home. Now that I'm beyond it, I can't remember how excited I was for it, but I know I know that I had to be through the roof. I mean, I talked about it. You and I talked about it for I mean, literally years. Yes. So <laughs> So I can't imagine, but this is this is exciting. And so we're going to spend some time at the end of the episode, because it's a bit of a light news week, to be honest. Um, so we we generally use this stream to talk about the latest in movie and TV news. There still is movie and TV news, and we'll give you the scoop on that in a few minutes here. But we're going to take some time at the end of the episode to talk about the Batman and to talk about sort of 
you know, final thoughts. That way, whenever we go to review it, we can, we can play it back or, or remember what we said and, and see how accurate our thoughts were or, um, you know, what our expectations were and were they, were they met, exceeded or not met at all. So it'll be a, it'll be a good little thought exercise before we head into this film, but I'm, I'm fully there, Kirk. I started watching, uh, the Nolan trilogy back today. Like uh, I'm just, I'm, I'm all in, I'm all in. I've I've got, I've got the jitters. I like, I cannot wait. I cannot wait. It's going to be great. All I did was put this mask on two minutes before we started recording. And that might still be more than what I've done to be honest, because that's, (laughs) that's, that takes a lot more effort, but it's going to be exciting. The Batman. um, But yeah, we've got other stuff to talk about too. In this episode, as I alluded to, we're going to be talking about uh, all of the movie and TV news that's going on right now. Um, So it's going to be very exciting. And I just want to say, if you're listening or watching on the stream, a reminder to those of you that are watching on the stream, you can listen to us in podcast form. And to, to those of you listening to the podcast, you can watch us on the stream. We stream every Monday night on Facebook, Twitch, and YouTube simultaneously. And if you're listening to podcasts or if you want to start listening to podcasts, you can do so on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Podcasts, Stitcher, Podbean. They got all, I mean, they're just oodles of them and we're we're on them all we're on pandora iHeartRadio. i mean all of it all when of it. did so, we get there that's cool we're just we're syndicated man we're, we're big time so wow. you can listen to us there and if any of those platforms that you're on whether you're streaming right now or you're listening if any of them give you a, a like a subscribe option or rate and review that would be just swell if you would consider doing that we would really appreciate it especially if you're enjoying the content so We'll talk Batman. We will talk the Batman at the end of this episode. But first, let's get into our What's Poppin' movie and TV news. Kirk, you ready to pop it up? I'm so ready. Let's pop it. All right. First things first, Kirk. And I'm I'm throwing it to you on this one because I feel like um, I feel like you were our SAG unofficial SAG Awards correspondent. <laughs> because I feel like at this point, it's well documented that I kind of hate award shows. I like the awards and I love to watch the results and, and, and hear everything that happened. But Kirk, you you are into the show. You, I mean, being a man of theater, I think you're drawn to it a little bit more than I am. And so I know that you got a chance to check out the SAG Awards. And this is one of the last major award shows, uh, certainly the last televised major award show that happens prior to the Oscars. And I don't know, honestly, and Kirk, maybe you know more so than I do here, what the, so the big award at the Screen Actors Guild, if I remember correctly, is best ensemble because it's all about acting and acting performances. So there's no best picture per se. It's more of a celebration of performances. And so I don't know how accurate of a predictor best ensemble has been for best picture or how accurate the the other categories of like best actor, best actress in a leading role, supporting role, etc., has been for the Oscars. Kirk, do you happen to know? I know some statistics. Yeah. I don't know all of them. Um, but the you know the SAG uh, award show came about in the uh, early '90s, uh, so it's been around for just over just over 26 years. I think about 27 years now. This was the or maybe 28. I think this was this was the 28th award show. I have to say that of those, there have been at least seven direct hits, 
direct mm. wins of whatever the acting award was, so was the winner at the Oscars. And then there oh, then there were 11 other awards shows where it was 75% correct. See, between the Screen Actors Guild and the Academy, there are a lot of shared voters. Yes. The biggest part of those shared voters are actors. And of course, actors are going to be the best ones to vote on the acting category right. so it i think it's a great indicator i don't have the specifics on the best ensemble sure. in relation to best picture um, but that would be something I, I would love to dig into yeah i know that um i feel like boyhood won best ensemble the year that um it was nominated but i'll have to go back and check on some of those but yeah i don't i don't typically uh, watch the Screen Actors Guild Awards, but I always check it out after the fact. And, and the big award last night, so they do TV as well. It's sort of like the Globes because it's Screen Actors Guild, right? It's not just movies. Um, it's movies and television. I think a lot of the things that you saw last night were expected, meaning Succession winning Best Ensemble for Television Series Drama, Ted Lasso winning Best Ensemble for Television Series Comedy. That's pretty much in line with what we were seeing at the Emmys and, and at various award shows, uh, the you know, the Globes, etc. That's that's pretty much on par with where we're at. But the big winner of the night for best ensemble went to Coda, and that was really exciting because I didn't, I didn't necessarily feel like they were the favorite. Doesn't doesn't the power of the dog almost have to be the favorite heading into the race? At least that's where my head was at. Yeah, you know, The Power of the Dog has the biggest buzz. Um, I recently rewatched Coda, so I watched it yeah. the weekend it came out. Super yes. excited, loved it. Rewatched it with Aubrey a couple of nights ago and uh, brought me to tears a second time. So yeah, yeah. The movie is powerful, guys. It is. The movie is powerful. Um, I also did not expect this, but when I think about it and I think about all the other movies up for Best Picture, I'm thinking, yeah, they really are this incredible family unit. You believe them in all aspects. I mean, you have an Academy Award winner within the family, Marley Matlin, uh, who just just like kills it, as well do all the other cast members. So. Yeah. I believe it. I, I was down for it. And it was such a big celebration, such a big win for them. Yeah. And, and I think, you know, when you hear things like that, this, you know, what you said about this being awards voted on by actors, you know, and, and this is the first thing that always comes to mind for me is that, oh, well, it's going to be a popularity contest, you know, like who's, who's most well-connected in this community, et cetera, et cetera. That certainly can't be the case with Coda. You know, a lot of these are, are newcomers, um, you know, certainly not the the perennial type of favorites. I mean, like in the big acting categories, you got Will Smith and Jessica Chastain taking home the big awards. And yes. so it's like, yeah, that makes sense. But when you hear Coda, you go, oh, wow, this, you know, they looked at this and said that was the best acting performance. That's not a popularity contest. They looked at it. And the ensemble and, and that movie is, is really well acted. Um, so I'll be curious. I feel like Coda really has an outside chance at the Oscars. I think, I think it honestly does. I don't think it necessarily has the best chance. I think, you know, most of the pundits and experts are, are certainly giving that to the power of the dog. But I feel like the way the Oscars have been trending over the last few years, and, and Nomadland may be one of the exceptions, is that um, it's not always the frontrunner that gets the big award. And Coda is one of those films that could sneak in there and grab it under the radar because it's a great human story. And I, I feel like what really gives it a, an edge is that it's really unlike anything that we've seen 
so far? You think back to films like The Artist, um, you know, anything that can't be duplicated again. Right. Uh, Birdman is another one that I think of. Just something that's really um, inventive, creative, or, or in this case, sheds light on a whole new group of of talented actors and a whole new community to tell the story of the deaf community um, in a way that, I mean, uh, Sound of Metal did, but not not as much as this one because there was so much of a, of a deaf cast actually using ASL to perform their scenes at, at a much higher level than that movie did. But it's it's got a chance for all of those reasons, and I think it would be a great story if it managed to take it home. For sure, for sure. Very cool. Very big win uh, for Troy Kotzer on the male actor yes. in a supporting role. Um, that one honestly seems like a lock for the Academy. I mean, I think so too. Other I think so too. Yeah. Members in there. And uh, I mean, again, rewatching the film uh, for the second time, you just watch him and he is masterful. He's absolutely masterful. So I think we've got some really big indicators from the SAG Awards from the other night. Yeah, I definitely think, to your point on Troy Kotzer, I think the other lock is is the other supporting award, which is Ariana DeBose. I mean, those two have been in lockstep, winning every single award at every big show so far. Um, and it feels like the bigger question mark is actually the lead actor, cat, lead, lead actor and actress categories, where those are always so hotly contested. I mean, just really, it's always, I mean, there's only five, and there's so many films that come out over the course of the year that it's always going to be, juggernaut acting performances but this time it went to will smith for king richard and jessica chastain for the eyes of tammy faye which was surprising because that movie really has not gotten as much buzz um as some of the others in the category and certainly that actress category has been really really contentious over the last few award shows so what do you think kirk do you think either of those two uh managed to pull off the big win at, at the oscars I am rooting for Jessica Chastain for yeah. sure because I did watch The Eyes of Tammy Faye. Uh, maybe it's something we'll we'll review before the Oscars. It's very crazy how that movie has not gotten the notoriety that it deserves. I mean, you've got Jessica Chastain, Andrew Garfield is also in that movie co-starring with her. Um, it's just a really fascinating piece. It's a biopic of these people's crazy lives, and man, do they go full force both of them especially jessica chastain um the other not that the other actors in her category do not deserve the win um but jessica chastain it's just sometimes the stars align and the role just is out of the park and that's what it is right here she slays and i really 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 want to see her take home the gold yeah it would be it would be crazy just just because that movie hasn't had the same sort of political weight behind it meaning like the politics of the whole award season the campaigning the marketing everything that movie really right. hasn't had the same level of push that some of these other movies had so that would be that would be huge that would be a big win for her and what i love most about that is that you've you've heard so many times movies that actors get nominated for that their performance is incredible like yeah. leo and j edgar hoover didn't win got the nomination meryl streep and our iron lady got the nomination got the win yeah and uh this this is a truly good film like from top to bottom and i really hope she gets it because it'll a continue to bring her to the forefront let people really know who she is and what she can do and b let this film be known it's a really crazy and important real life story it blew my mind i need everyone to go see it right now absolutely yeah at the very least it would be good to get some eyes on that movie that i think 
was overall pretty missed. Like, I don't think pe- it didn't do well in the box office. Didn't do particularly well streaming. Uh, once it started to get nominations, you know, that shifted slightly, but it's it's not at the same level of, of popularity and acclaim as some of the other films that are in the in the award conversations at this time. So, right, it's interesting. But that's the SAG Awards. You know, we'll see. We've got we've got a couple more weeks until Oscar time, uh, uh, March twenty seventh. So it's coming up. We're about a month away. Um, but could it be an indicator? Could it be a red herring? We'll see. We'll see what happens. Next up, Star Trek. And I know what you're saying. Star Trek? We talked Star Trek last week. What could we possibly have to say about this? This one's interesting, Kirk. And uh, I love stuff like this where big companies blow it by doing something stupid. I, I just find it so entertaining. Um, in this case, the, the big company blowing it by doing something stupid is Paramount, who, as you may recall... Last week at their investor day, announced that Star Trek IV was in the works with Matt Shackman stepping behind the camera to direct and with the original cast returning. Record scratch. Uh, <laughs> turns out, as J.J. Abrams made that announcement during the big investor day presentation, it caught some people by surprise. And you might go, ah, oh, yeah, sure, it caught some people by surprise. What if I told you the people that it caught by surprise were people like, Chris Pine, Zoe Saldana, <laughs> Zachary Quinto, Carl Urban, their agents. <laughs> Would that raise some eyebrows? Uh, I think so. And that's what the Hollywood Reporter is reporting, that they were they their camps were surprised to hear that this was happening and that they were due to be recording, uh, or filming, rather, at the end of this year. Um, you know, they're saying they haven't really had conversations about it and they've got other things going on on their schedule. Kirk, this is a mess. Do you think they figured it out? They will figure it out. I think there's, uh, I think JJ was saying, was just really excited about this fourth movie. I think when you have such a good idea, you just have to jump in, right? Burn the ships, let's figure <laughs> it out, right. right? And I think he was saying, it was also a litmus test, right? Like, so if the internet went on fire and was excited about it, great, let's push forward. Let's pay them whatever they want because the people are going to come. And if no one responds, well, then scrap it. And I'm like, ah, oh, negotiations, blah, blah, blah. I think this comes together despite the crazy way that it got announced. But JJ's confidence, his blind confidence just announcing that is a pretty baller move. Yeah, I mean, it could be. I mean, who knows what went on behind the scenes to lead to this? It's It's insane that this can happen at this level and things like this have happened before uh, but maybe perhaps not on this scale and with this much visibility but <laughs> it's going to be an interesting saga i can tell you one thing kirk one of the big things that paramount was concerned about regarding this movie was the cost and uh yeah. it just got a lot more expensive because if they're, oh, yeah. if they're not even having contract negotiations with some of these people yet they're going to know that the pressure's on Paramount to make this movie. So I'm telling my agent to push all their chips in. I mean, just all of them. I, I want everything. Um, especially if you're somebody like Zoe Saldana, who's always got a packed schedule. He's a huge megastar. I mean, Chris Pine's deal's not done yet. He's still got levers that he can pull. So if they were worried about cost, I have to think that this uh, maybe wasn't the right play. But we'll see. I'm optimistic. I'm optimistic. But we'll, we will obviously keep a close eye on that one. It will happen. We will see this movie. I promise you. I it, promise it, it you. It does seem like there's too much. Um, there's too much interest for it to not happen. Well, if if there's anything that we've learned <laughs> over the last decade or so, it's that if the fan interest is there, they will find a way to make it. Perhaps the biggest 
case study for this is No Way Home. I mean, that yes. was like everybody wanted, uh, and, and spoilers, even though the spoiler moratorium is officially over, but if anybody, everybody wanted a live action Spider-Verse and they, I mean, just immediately made that happen. Uh, right. Everybody wanted Michael Keaton back as Batman. That's happening. Like it, these <laughs> things, they just happen um, if the fans want it. And I think the fans want this. So They do. We'll see what happens. All right. Next up, I want to talk about a couple of projects that are just like head scratcher galore. First of all, this also came out of the Paramount um, the, the Paramount Investor Day. We didn't talk about it last week, mostly because I was still shell-shocked from it. Um, <laughs> and for those of you not on the stream, I just threw up an image. This is of the Fairly Odd Parents live-action series. Uh, Fairly Otter, I believe is what it's called. Not Otter, O-T-T-E-R, but O-D-D-E-R. Oh, man, I was <laughs> grossly mistaken. And... What is this, Kirk? What like what is this show? And and I I've been like sleuthing to try to figure out what's happening here. So it's a live action Fairly Odd Parents show. We've gathered that. It the basic premise is that uh, Timmy Turner is handing the baton of his godparents, his fairy godparents, to his like little cousin or niece or something, Vivian. And so it's a whole new era where it's like a live-action, iCarly, Drake and Josh-style show with oh with Cosmo and Wanda, who are cartoon characters, like the same Cosmo and Wanda, and it's just basically a, a reboot, I guess. It, but it looks just atrocious. I mean, if you're not on the stream right now, you have to stop what you're doing and Google this thing. There's a trailer. I bet you won't even make it 30 seconds through the trailer. It is the cringiest, most horrific thing you've ever seen and I don't even know Kirk like who is this for who is this for because I saw that this show is rated Y7 like it's a it's like a kid's show um, yep. what what kids that are young are gonna connect with this like okay so your parents maybe your parents watch the fairly odd parents it's not gonna appeal to them because it's horrifically horrible and and campy and terrible and, and everything so I don't understand, like, the kids aren't going to know who the Fairly Odd Parents are. So, what, like, what is this thing, even? It's a hot pile of garbage, Cam. It's an absolute hot pile of garbage. There's not a chance this thing succeeds. I think they cancel it before they release all of the episodes, <laughs> just in pure embarrassment. Uh, I mean, you look at these production photos. Oh, dude. And it's just so, so terribly done. It doesn't make... <laughs> any sense it's as if every single person was designing a different show and every single actor is acting in a different show <laughs> nothing is cohesive about this at all and why we thought it would be a good idea to go lizzie mcguire and put the cartoon into the live action but at least those were separate right those were just like asides in in 99 of the cases this makes zero sense in, in all regards. This would have been better if they would have went a really weird route and had the, yeah. the, the godparents be actually like people, like SNL shrunken style. <laughs> or just like Danny DeVito. <laughs> just, just walking around, yes. I mean, th there's no way this succeeds. It fails immediately and none of these actors will ever act again. It's just that simple. <laughs> what this looks like, honestly, it looks like a high school video project where... 
everybody went to the theater, like the high school theater, and they have like props and and, and costumes and stuff laying around from from the thousands of shows that have been done. And so <laughs> yes. nothing really goes together, but you can like kind of hodgepodge something together. Like that's what yeah. this looks like, honestly. And I, I'm not just like. That's not just me spitting a hot take. Like it honestly looks like that. It's so it's so horrific. And yes. why why is this not a cartoon? Why not just why do not? it as a cartoon? I don't understand. It makes I no mean, sense. If it's because of the animation, I mean, I guess it saves time because you only have to animate. What are they, Wanda and Wanda and Cosmo? But then you have Cosmo? to overlay them into a real world with real I guess textures. So. Make them like the new animation, right? The CGI animation. Make the whole show that yeah. way. Why not? If you're going to reboot this thing like this, this will haunt my nightmares. It's this terrible. specific still that you've pulled up, <laughs> that know. face. I had to pull up this one because the <laughs> Timmy Turner situation, this is like the full, this is Godfather meme. This is the look how they massacred my boy. That's how I feel about Timmy Turner right now yes. because like what, what did he do to deserve this, what they've done here? He's wearing two different colors of pink. His hat is a different color from his shirt. It is. And that necklace looks like tinsel that he's wearing. Yeah, it's it's really bad. And also like of all the if, of of all the cartoons to adapt into a low quality real life television show, why one of the cartoons that has some of the most preposterous animation and character designs of anything like their heads in that show are ginormous they all have some sort of outrageous feature like for god's sake mr crocker like that guy his ear is on his neck like i don't understand why this was the this was the idea i really don't understand it it's painful. oh what a what a disaster well we will we will watch it burn nickelodeon and you are only to blame <laughs> we will we will watch it burn and speaking of uh things that are potential disasters they're making a beyblade movie as in oh, Beyblade, <laughs> let it rip. Was this a thing when you, oh. <laughs> when you were in, uh, I don't know. I mean, for me, it was probably like grade school, maybe maybe junior high, <laughs> Beyblade. Oh, gosh. <laughs> and it's live this... action, in case you were concerned. It's not going to be animation. It's going to be live action. Oh, what a disaster. <laughs> like, are they dragons? Like, is that what happens in this thing? Like... I don't know. I mean, in the, in the show, they were like, super powered spinning tops you yeah know, you like shot make... them off a thing and they spun and hit each other i don't really know man super powered tops i mean that's what i'm looking that for that sounds this good is... right how enthralling like it's <laughs> and why <laughs> now it, i i just I, I have way more questions than answers on this one too who owns the rights to this do we know <laughs> i i mean i'm sure we do know this will be the last film they ever make. <laughs> this is it. This will shut down their production company. It will well, you know, them. you know who's backing this is uh, Jerry Bruckheimer. He, oh, what? And he's like the guy. I mean, like he he's he's like he's made so many huge films. He's produced so many huge movies, and he's producing this one with Paramount. So Paramount's on a roll. They've got the Star Trek disaster. They've got the Fairly Odd Parents <laughs> horrific dumpster fire of a show, and then. <laughs> they're releasing what I think has a really strong chance to be possibly one of the worst movies ever made. And it hasn't even, I don't even think they've begun filming on this, but I can just tell you from concept, this has potential to be just one of the most horrific pieces of film we've ever seen in our lives. See, this movie sounds like Jerry Bruckheimer was spending time with his grandkids. They're playing <laughs> this. 
he's seeing them have so much fun and he's like (laughs) that's it this must be this the is best, great. hottest thing with kids right now. I'm going to make this a movie and did no other research. This is Grandpa Bruckheimer. Right <laughs> That's what's happening. Gramps. And also, is anyone playing Beyblade? Like, hardly anyone pa- played Beyblade when I was in school. I can't imagine they're playing it now. So I never played it. I did no, not know it either. even ex- existed until our nephews played it. And oh, they did were- they? They did play it for oh. a hot second. I mean, that thing lit and burnt out within months. So this thing, what what an absolute disaster! I, I can't get that off the screen. Well, the <laughs> you know the anymore. I remember the old tagline for the show and for the game was "Let it rip," and that's a good that's a good microcosm for what this movie is going to be, which is a giant <laughs> fart. That's me. <laughs> that's the only way. That's the only way to summarize it. Um, oh man! But let's talk about something that's that's perhaps good news. So this was hilarious because I was reading an article about the Madonna, um, this Madonna movie that's being made. I don't think we've even talked yeah. about it on the podcast yet. But Madonna is directing a biopic about herself, um, and she wrote it as well um, with another with another co writer whose name is escaping me at this time. But um, the Ankler. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> it was perfect timing on that image, wasn't it? <laughs> oh man, I'm I'm sorry. I'll explain in just a second for those of you on the podcast. The Ankler had an article about that, and so I clicked on it to read it. And it's one of those articles, you know how like these these blogs of uh, industry sources and things like that, like these uh, film and TV reporters, they do like these quick blogs of like here's all the things that I'm hearing. Right. And so the whole thing was like Madonna, Madonna, Madonna. And I was like, I don't really care about this, but I'm going to read it anyway. And then at the bottom, they were like, Brad Pitt's production company, Plan B, has boarded Beetlejuice 2. And I was like, what? How is this not the headline? So (laughs) the reason Kirk died laughing just a second ago was because I pulled up a picture of Michael Keaton in Beetlejuice as I was talking about Madonna, which is probably the last thing he was expecting. Moral of the story here is that. And I want to be careful here because Deadline has reported it. The Ankler uh, was the first to report it. Um, all that has happened here is that this movie was already supposed to be, it was already an idea that was, you know, with a script and everything. Uh, and, and theoretically, Michael Keaton and Renona Ryder were going to re- reprise their roles. And it was kind of dead in the water for years and years and years. Well, now uh, Brad Pitt's production company, which you probably have seen their logo many times, Plan B, has boarded the production. And so it's got some new financing. It's got some new creative minds on it. And so all that's really left is for Warner Brothers to green light it. And if we know Warner Brothers, they are going to squeeze the last ounce of life out of every piece of intellectual property they own. So it's basically a formality at this point. So let's just assume that Beetlejuice 2 is in the works. Kirk, Oh yeah. your reaction to this. Do you think Madonna shows up in Beetlejuice 2? Is that... No, and, and in fact, after reading about the casting that's going on for that i was like i no no offense to any of the actors that are auditioning for it i think they're all fantastic but the more i read about that movie i'm just like i don't care about this madonna biopic i mean i couldn't care less i I think there's some sort of like generational gap there that i'm that i'm missing i'm sure i'm sure it's like this is the equivalent of like a lady gaga biopic which i would definitely buy tickets to in the future but right now i'm just i'm not i'm not in for madonna but 
Yeah. Do we know who is playing Madonna? Is it a known actor? Not yet. It, it will likely be a known actor. The reason I was reading about it is that two of the two of the actors from uh, Euphoria, Sydney Sweeney and okay. Barbie Ferreira, are auditioning for the role. As long as, as well as some other big actors, um, Julia, what's her name from? This is terrible. Louis Dreyfus. No. Julia Louis. <laughs> uh, Ozark. Uh, oh, Garner. Yeah, Julia Garner. She uh, she's she's auditioning for it as well. And I was reading about it because they were saying Florence Pugh was rumored at some point, et cetera, et cetera. But I think in the last minute, I think Madonna fires everyone and she plays all the roles. Yeah, exactly. Uh, That's for sure what's going to happen. She's already directing <laughs> and writing movies, it. Though. <laughs> She's like, no one can do this. I will play all the roles, including myself. <laughs> it's like it's like uh, um, Ed Norton in Birdman when he's like, so you've written this adaptation and you're directing and starring in it. That's ambitious. That's how I feel about this Madonna movie. That's what's going to happen. For sure, for sure. Anyway, Beetlejuice on, on that topic. <laughs> what are your thoughts on Beetlejuice 2? Oh, I'm here for it. I'm absolutely here for it. Beetlejuice, I feel like this is what's crazy. Let's talk generational culture, um, shielding our children from things. <laughs> I watched everything. Everything in the 90s. I mean, literally anything I can get my hands on. And some things for sure I like snuck in and like watched, you know. Uh, but Beetlejuice should not be shown to anyone under 12 years old. I probably saw this 30 times before I was 8 years old. So the, just like the creepiness, <laughs> like even even E.T. should not be shown to kids too young. I mean, I still get yeah, creepy sure. when they knock those frogs out in the, in the dissection scene. This movie, Beetlejuice... <laughs> has so many emotions when I when I see it. So many like core memories that get revealed to me as my life continues on. And I think that what this second movie will do is remind people, A, be careful what you let your kids watch yes. at what age you watch them. And B, that Michael Keaton is the goat because your boy has been in every single type of movie genre. That's so true. And the fact that he created this character <laughs> And it was executed perfectly. Yes. And no one else can do it. Like, uh, Beetlejuice the Musical is on on Broadway now. And that guy, sorry, it just doesn't work. Um, even well, how could, how could you? I mean, how could you recreate? I mean, it's just... Yeah, I mean, the, nothing about this, this, the idea of this movie should work. And it absolutely does, to the credit of Michael Keaton. So, bravo, um... Beetlejuice 2 is going to be absolutely out of this world. I cannot wait. <laughs> it's going to be a spectacle no matter what. I think that's that's what I'm here for. I think this one of the saddest things to me is that this the that Beetlejuice totally jumped me. Speaking of age gaps and stuff like that. So it came out in 1988 and for whatever reason I just it was not culturally relevant anymore by the time that I was old enough to watch it and my parents did do a, a decent job of shielding me. Now they let me watch Twister when I was like three or four and I was scared of tornadoes for like most of my young still. life. <laughs> I'm still horrified. No. But for a long period of time so maybe that was what made them learn their lesson but uh, Beetlejuice I didn't get to see until years later and it's one of those things where it's still it still is like okay this is an iconic movie from from an iconic era of you know kind of of my life and so I, I could appreciate it but I, I would never be able to feel the full appreciation that you know other people did and that makes me super sad so pour, okay, pour one out for me, me. <laughs> 
I'm, <laughs> I'm gonna have to be fact checked on this, but yeah. if I remember correctly, I believe there were McDonald's toys in the Happy Meals with Beetlejuice. Oh, I, I'll bet it, it. It was weirdly <laughs> everyone who was a child during that era is like that's the Beetlejuice uh, generation. I, like I don't understand how it how it got under the radar because there is some there is some pretty strange subject matter things in there too that make you go. How did how must they have marketed this movie to make all of these parents think that it was totally cool <laughs> to take their kids to see it? I just don't understand, but somehow they did. It, like, oh, it was the McDonald's toys. That's what did it. <laughs> Winona Ryder's a, a kid. You know, kids go watch this. They'll relate to her. I mean, I believe I actually had a toy that you know when Gina Davis like it's either Gina Davis or Bill Pullman. They they shove. Is it Bill Pullman in this? No. Isn't it? Is it Alec Baldwin? Who's the actor? No, it's um, it's uh, oh, gosh, oh, uh, Rick Moranis. Not Rick Moranis. Oh no, another core memory is about to be unlocked, ladies and gentlemen. <laughs> as we search, why did I think it was Rick Moranis? Did I make that up? It's not Rick Moranis, but one of those two, while you type, one of those two, they invert their mouth. They pull out their jaw and sure. they like punch their face. Alec in. Baldwin. Yes, you were right. It was Alec Baldwin. They, 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 I think I had a toy of that. Like, why? Why would I, some sort of seven or eight year old, have this horrifying, creepy toy? I love that. I love that. And it was one of my favorites from memory. Yeah, well, of course. I mean,. It's crazy. Just life is crazy. And now, I mean, I sometimes I'll turn off episodes of uh, of, of Paw Patrol if I'm like, no, I don't like how they're being mean to Chase right there. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> like, turn this off. Oh, how times have changed. Yeah, it's it's a totally different world. You go back and show your kids like shows and stuff that were that were in whenever you were a kid, and you were like, what is going on? Like, we watched Goof Troop, and I was like, what are these plot lines? What is this show? They're like saying the craziest stuff yeah we just watched um the kids are watching like all of the space buddies and snow buddies oh, I'm like, have you Lord. guys seen the og and they hadn't so we rented Airbud because disney plus won't put it on their platform even wait, though wait, 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 wait 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 is are the buddies movies a spin-off of the Airbud franchise yes they are no way let me lay it out for you Airbud, <laughs> Airbud Golden Retriever, Airbud the Seventh Innings. No, listen, I've seen them all. I've seen every every. I was, <laughs> I mean, I, I was the Airbud generation, man. I was in there. I watched all of them. I had yeah, no I idea. Mean, I had no there idea. Was, there was some very heavy drama with Josh Fran and his dad, a pilot wow. in the Air Force, dying tragically. The creepy clown who owns yes, Airbud, the who's clown cursing, like four times in the movie the coach who gets fired because he's abusing one <laughs> right. of the kids on the team by just like chucking basketballs at his face because he's mad that he lost the game i mean man it is rough, yeah. rough times. no doubt no doubt man uh wow I, I had no idea that that happened that that those were spinoffs that that's kind of like that's life-changing information for me um yep. anyway back to <laughs> back to what we were talking about which was Beetlejuice, which we are now done talking about. Beetlejuice 2, yes. just assume that it's in production. I'm just going to say it's been greenlit because we all know that it's going to be. If, if I saw it on Twitter, it's going to be greenlit because there, there's enough interest out there to make this happen. And now That's that right. they've got some financing, it's on like Donkey Kong. So Boom. get ready for that. All right. 
couple quick things, then we'll talk the Batman, as promised. And that's just what to watch for this week. Two things I want to bring to your attention. One, date of recording is February 28th, the so last day of February, and also a Monday. Tomorrow, Tuesday, um, Scream will be available for digital, the new Scream. So I did not, I missed that one in theaters. So this is one that I've marked on my calendar. I'll be excited to check that one out. Next up, for all you Oscars chasers out there, if you're like me and Kirk and you're out there trying to watch all the Oscar Best Picture nominees, a good opportunity is coming for you because Drive My Car, the Japanese film that managed to snag a Best Picture nomination, presumably because it's awesome and I can't wait to see it, um, comes to HBO Max on March 2nd. Now, got a question earlier about will it be behind the paywall? Will you be able to see it with, with a free trial? I don't know, but I'm leaning like historical context would would lean towards yes, you will be able to watch it under the free trial because it's not one of these like big event cinema type things and it's not one of the same day in theaters and on HBO Max. Now I know the outlier there is the Harry Potter thing, but it was like I could see why they would do that. Of course the the Harry Potter stands would come out of the woodwork to grab their free trial to watch that. Um, and then roll out. So I, I get that, but we'll see. But I'm leading towards I don't expect it to be behind the paywall for HBO Max. So agreed. Let's keep an eye out on that. That's uh, Wednesday, March second. Drive my car on HBO Max. Last up, the holiday that we were talking about earlier, Batman Eve. The Batman Eve. It's here. And Kirk, I want to talk about the Batman before you and I step into the theater tomorrow to check it out. I want to talk about two things. Okay. Do you have something? You raised your I hand. I mean, I just want to point out, do you see the resemblance between me and Robert Pattinson? It's, I mean, it's pretty good. Um, it's pretty good. I think the next step for you is to get the all-encompassing cowl and, and one that preferably covers your nose as well. And one I mean, that you I, can adequately see out of. That would be good, too. I, I like to showcase my nose. I think it's a great Irish schnoggin, but... I'll try it out. I'll try it out. I wonder if I can expedite one so that way the ne- when we record but the, the jawline, the jawline is identical, Kirk. I mean, it's oh. look at that, just chiseled, chiseled. But we're talking the Batman. We're talking the Batman, and I, I want to ask two questions. The first question I want to ask is this: What are your expectations for for the film? Meaning, how hyped are you? How good do you think this has potential to be? Where are you at? When you walk into that theater tomorrow, what are you thinking about the Batman? What's what's running through your head? Excellent question. I'm expecting three things, and they're all performance-based. Because based on this, uh, for expectations, based on the trailer, I'm really not worried about the plot itself. Because you have so many years of of detail and options and storylines, not sure. worried about the plot whatsoever. I'm worried about the performances. And by worried, I mean, I'm expecting great things. So you better bring it. So for the three, the three big ones I'm looking at, I'm looking at our paths and I'm looking that he is going to get a public acting win, not an award, but so many people still don't know about all of his other films. He's done That's outside true. twilight 
that he really does deserve to be notarized as uh, one of the greats of our time. Uh, so I feel like this is the moment to bring him to the forefront. He's had a couple of options of, of mainstream that people will go to versus the stuff that we'll watch that people will say, meh, not my style. This everyone can agree on, and I think it's going to be great. My second one that Paul Dano will be the scariest human alive. The scariest human Already alive. is, so check. Oh man! I mean, uh, <laughs> cite, citation: There will be blood and prisoners. I mean, there, and any Bro. other movie he's done, he's an absolute artist at being the creepiest person in the room. Um, I really hope that in real life he's like the sweetest, kindest man. But I kind of doubt it. I kind of think there is some twisted stuff he's always up to in real life. And then the third one, my third expectation is to see Colin Farrell in, and really not see him in all the prosthetics, but see him absolutely destroy this role in such a positive way i say that and possibly win himself gear himself towards the award circuit i don't know if it gets up to the academy but i've seen him in the trailer and your boy colin farrell has gone through the the full roller coaster effect of came on the scene hot and heavy was so incredible yeah burnt out on a bunch of bad movies went to the indie realm built his acting stacks back up and he has just been killing it for over 15 years and i want to make sure everyone knows that i want to make sure that is cemented in history as well so that's my three expectations i like it i i think i think your point about our pats that's that's one of mine is i know he hates that nickname but i continue to say it because it's funny (laughs) um that's that's one of my big expectations as well is that um, there and, and Matt Reeves, the director of the film, said it best. There are people. Whenever this casting was announced, he was just excited because he knew that the people who jeered it, and I was one of them because I I hadn't familiarized myself yet with the Pattinson catalog of films post Twilight. But he said, you know, the people who jeered it were people who had no idea what he had done post Twilight, and the people who loved it. Had did know what he had done post Twilight, and he's like, either way, it's exciting because he knows what he can bring to the table. And and this is, I mean, no pressure, Robert, but this is his moment. I mean, this is it. That like, this is the career-defining role that vaults him into the next tier of big actors. And I think he absolutely has what it takes in them and then some to become one of the generational talents of our time and someone who. You know, he's still young. <laughs> he's got a lot to bring to the table still as an actor. This has potential to be huge for him. So one of my expectations is that he shows people who he is and, and what he's capable of, and people are going to be blown away. One of my other expectations is that um, the they nail the bat and the cat relationship. That's what I want because I feel like... And I, I actually, I liked The Dark Knight Rises, I think, more than a lot of people did. People tend to kind of hate on that film a little bit. I, I thought yeah. it was an excellent finale to what I thought was a really great trilogy. And I thought the Anne Hathaway um, Catwoman was really good, but there just wasn't enough time to flush it out. So I am just so excited that at the beginning of the trilogy, we're already into the bat and cat stuff because that has that is one of the most subtextually complex relationships in comics in 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 any story that i've read it's it's fun it's exciting um it's rewarding i think there's just so much there to love about the selena kyle uh relationship with bruce wayne and i cannot wait to see that explored more with these two actors who are both of whom i think are 
absolutely fantastic. And then my last expectation is just that Matt Reeves really starts to to come to the limelight here because this guy has been doing amazing things for a long time. He's young too. Um, his Planet of the Apes movies are so good. He he's done yeah. a lot of great things. Um, so I'm I'm expecting it. He you know he's worked with Jeffrey Wright before. He's worked with. Uh, you know, he, he worked with Gary Oldman, who was previously in the Batman series, is, and, and he really is just a great fit for this. So I'm expecting it to be um, really good. I, I, my hype is extremely high for this movie, which is sometimes not a good thing, but I think that... And it's not based really on anything I've seen from the movie. It's just based on the pieces that are there. You've got Matt Reeves behind the camera, really capable director. You've got Robert Pattinson donning the cowl, really capable actor. You've got a supporting cast full of really cool actors who have tons of ability and range playing really cool characters that they're well matched for. Um, we didn't even talk about Jeffrey Wright as Commissioner Gordon. Right. Um, and you've got a score composed by Michael Giacchino. I, 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 um, or I always say his name wrong, but that's basically how it's spelled. I just think all the pieces are there to make this happen. And the other thing that makes this key is that this movie could not have happened without the Nolan trilogy. The Nolan trilogy had to happen first before people were ready for this type of Batman movie. And what we're getting is a real 1990s Batman detective style story from the looks of it. And and that's what I'm expecting is that, you know, the Nolan trilogy walks so that this trilogy could run. And that's what I'm really excited about. Yes. Beautiful. Okay. Beautiful. Next up. Next question. I'll, I'll lead off on this one. What does this movie have to do to be a success? This is our this is our other question. So for me, I want to be clear. There will be a lot of comparisons going on after this movie. I'm expecting comparisons to the Nolan trilogy and painfully, and this is the one that I'm really bracing for, unfortunately, comparisons to Spider-Man No Way Home because it was the most recent film to come out. And I think that that will be one of the most annoying conversations on Twitter. If this movie is good is what's better the Batman or Spider-Man no way home, which is a preposterous conversation because they are trying to accomplish two totally different things with two totally different characters in two totally different worlds. Um, so I think for this movie to be a success, it has to be, it has to be totally different. I want it to be differentiated from the Nolan trilogy. Otherwise, it's like, why didn't we just keep going with that Batman? You know, I want it to be its own thing. I think it needs to be um, good as a standalone product. I think a lot of what we see from series now, and it happens on the Marvel side too, as good as they are at what they do, a movie that can sit there and stand alone as a piece of cinema, and you can look at it and go, this is well-structured, well-formatted as a standalone film while also setting up for the future. So my expectation is that Colin Farrell will be sort of the big bad um, that they're using in this film to build up to larger things. So I want that to run, but I want this movie to be really self-contained as well and to be really um, well put together. And finally, it does not have to be better than the dark Knight, <laughs> or better than batman begins or better than the dark Knight rises to be a success it just needs to be its own thing and it needs yep. to be good and to, to give us something different so that's my take i love it i'm looking for two things two things i'm looking for uh there's so many characters 
in this yes. movie. Okay. I'm looking for Avengers one level of characterization and orchestration. Now I know that in the later movies we had even more characters and they we you know we got more development out of them, but we got later development, we knew what their their whole path was. So we that's not fair. Looking at Avengers one when we thought that like seven people was difficult <laughs> to put in the same movie, right? So that's what we that's what we need here. The orchestration, which is the second part of making sure that they all get their screen time, which in three hours I think they can. Uh, to get their screen time and to make sure we know exactly who they are uh, from beat one and where they start and where they finish. Um, uh, after seeing, uh, you know, the Planet of the Apes trilogy, if yeah. you have not seen it, <laughs> what are you doing? Stop what you're doing. Go watch them. Yes. Uh, because they are absolutely masterful. And I feel like underrated. I don't Very. know that. Very. I don't know that tons of people went and saw those. Um uh, I, I was just such a big fan of them. Uh, they're they're just really, really wonderfully, wonderfully crafted, wonderfully done. They will absolutely. That was absolutely the the ground level for what he needed to see this through, and what it will be when we get the Batman two, and the Batman three, and the Batman four, and the Batman five. <laughs> not five, not six, not seven. <laughs> and you know what I really want? What? I really want some sort of quick quick reference like like blink and you miss it reference to the joker not necessarily joaquin phoenix's but i mean i really hope that does happen oh to joker yeah the movie yeah uh so even just the character the joker oh okay but in a perfect world, also Joaquin Phoenix's Joker. <laughs> um, but definitely a nod to that. Like maybe they reference it. Like uh, maybe it's on a piece of uh, a piece of paper. Like ah, oh, this crazy clown is going around here, and you 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 see a, a picture of it like on the desk of a of a of a police officer, like in yeah. the in at the branch at the precinct, right? So I think that's what really will make make my day. Just that that little piece. Just well, throw it in there. I like it. I think the elephant in the room when it comes to Batman is that if this trilogy, and I hate words like this when people say the definitive Batman trilogy or whatever, because the reality is Chris Nolan's Batman trilogy is masterful and will always be great. And so if this trilogy is also masterful and great and, and even arguably better than the Nolan trilogy or whatever, it won't be the definitive Batman series. But if you want to be a definitive Batman series, you have to have the Joker. And, and the Joker, <laughs> that's a tall task, man. It's a tall task, right. especially when you're following in the giant footsteps of Heath Ledger and what he was able to do in his Academy Award winning performance. Oh, and by the way, the other Academy Award winner <laughs> to win for the role, albeit a very different characterization of the Joker um, in Joaquin Phoenix. Like, I would not want that assignment on my desk, but you, it, I don't, I think you have to do it in some way. I think I, I just don't understand. I don't see a path to making a fantastic Batman trilogy where you don't sniff the Joker at some point. Like it just, it has to, he has to be involved. He is the villain. He is the guy. So it's that simple. He's got to be introduced. And I don't, I don't know that it's worth bringing in another Joker. Like, I know, you know, like I don't see it being impactful or, uh, but the Joaquin while. play is, is dangerous too. Sure. 
because you have a chance, you know, if this thing sets up its own machine and then you try to introduce an outside element into it that's already established, like that that's a that's a delicate operation. So True. That's true. I, I like I agree that that is a way that they could go with it. I just I don't know that there is a perfect solution here. Um but they ha- I think they have to figure something out. So we'll see. <sighs> We will be seeing the Batman. Kirk and I will be seeing the Batman tomorrow night in theaters. Uh, We'll be recording a review later this week. Now, we have not yet decided, we are still discussing, if this will be a spoiler-free or a spoiler-full review. The review will release on Thursday of this week, March 3rd. Um, So let us know. If you have thoughts, we're going to record it Wednesday night. If you have thoughts on if you're passionately in the spoiler-free or spoiler-full camp, let us know. Because spoiler-free is great because you get a taste of it before seeing the movie spoiler full is great because we get to really deep dive into it. Um, we've done both <laughs> for, for different things. So be sure to what let us we, know. What if we record it spoiler full and then we release a spoiler free episode and we just like put a beep over all of the parts. <laughs> that oh no, it would be horrible to listen to just like an attack and assault on the ears. <laughs> it would be so bad. Oh man. Or we just, um, or we like, we dub it like we dub it as Batman, just talking about absolute nonsense or just you know? like have really hard, annoying cuts that make no sense. <laughs> <laughs> that the, when the penguin pulled out his, do you see the- <laughs> exactly, exactly that? Uh, there's, there are many options, but let us know if you have thoughts, let us know. Um, but that's all we've got for you this week. We'll be checking out the Batman. We'll be reviewing it for you later this week and we could not be more excited, but thank you to all of you who joined on the stream. Thank you to those listening on the podcast. Please don't forget to subscribe if you enjoyed the episode and also give us a rating. Uh, you know, there's a little stars. If you're on Apple podcasts, you can click that. You can give us a review. It doesn't take very long and we would be endlessly thankful and full of gratitude for that. So thank you so much. And we also have to give thanks to some other people who are full of gratitude too. And that is Ryan Spriggs, our executive producer and the band Redrick who composed our original music, which you're about to hear. And we will see you after the Batman. Talk to you then. Talk to you then.